Welcome to the Secrets and Sins podcast, a podcast for fiends, scoundrels, and all other creatures of the night. I am Ben Wickert, and I'm joined here today with Gavin Graves, Isaiah Stevenson, Sasha Raymer, and Rita Douglas. And today we will be talking about how Gothic transfers to the modern day. That's the intro, and now we can start discussing. We're basically talking about vampires. Like, we went over all of our topics, and it's vampire day, y'all. Um, so... Today, I brought to the table, I thought it would be a very good thing to talk about, Dracula, since it is an old gothic thing made new. I think that's even the tagline of the show. Uh, an old book with new blood, or yeah. Dracula's with new blood, or something like that. Um, I thought, overall, it was really good. I liked it, um, but there's some very key differences, and who, raise the hands, who has seen it? Okay, so... Gavin and Sasha have seen quite a bit of it. You two have not. Mm -hmm. Okay. So plot synopsis. Basically, it follows Dracula, who is in fact a vampire. And it's this cool little cat and mouse scenario where Dracula is being a badass bitch vampire. And Van Helsing, who is gender bent here, um, is the vampire hunter in a sense who is trying to find Dracula and kill him in a sense or just stop him from biting people um so there's a lot of differences first uh first one is as i would like to say van helsing is gender bent uh in this one which i feel like doesn't add much but it's it's like pretty cool because if they would have made if they would have left van helsing a guy it would have been really weird having basically no female characters because Mina Harker, who is the main character in the book, is like shoved to the side in the TV show. So it's it's still nice that there's like it's kind of what the book was originally about is like, or it, like a part of it was about female empowerment. Um, I thought it was odd that it was like a romance situation between Van Helsing and Dracula, which wasn't something I saw for them. But it was like a unique perspective, like you said, like after the first episode, like Mina is only referenced mm. i think it's also telling that they switched van helsing to a girl and then inserted the romance like they wouldn't have done it if van helsing was a guy would they so it, that's pretty much hitting the nail on, or hitting the nail on the head i was about to say hitting the nail on the coffin <laughs> i think that was just my brain trying to make a joke so that's one big twist second big twist is that basically halfway through the series it shifts from oldie gothic times to modern day where it's really, it's this part I really, really love. In the book, Dracula does board a ship called the Demeter and he ends up in Britain and that's where shit starts to get wild in Britain land. And that's how the book goes. It's same thing happens in the show, except when his ship sinks, like it, it kind of does in the book, there's a, they find a big hole, like hole in the hole of the ship in the book. When the ship sinks, Dracula like sleeps in one of his coffins at the bottom of a lake and is like, oh, when I'm healed, I'll just come out. Um, when he does come out, it's like 300 years later. So I really like that for one specific reason. And it's because it follows the gothic trope of the horror following you home or the horror being inescapable because it makes it so the horror is in the modern day. And I really, a lot of people online said it was really stupid that it was like, oh, why did they make Dracula in today time? And I was like, I feel like that's the point of the Gothic is to make it so it's like, it could be happening right now under your very nose. I thought that was really cool. Um, so that's a big change. It, it also kind of continues following the story. 
Uh, it continues with like there's plots about Lucy Westerna, who is a character that is bitten by Dracula and turned. But I'm talking way too much about the summary. What I basically want to talk about is how much it has changed. And I feel like in the first half of the show, it sticks very well with the gothic atmosphere of like, oh, he is an invader and he's trying to invade London and everything. But the minute he comes into modern day is when the tone shifts as to like, he's not invading, but there's other fears he's kind of supposed to represent. Um, And I feel like the big fear he's supposed to represent is through his relationship with Lucy Westerna, where Lucy is very, is shown as very like beauty centric and like all about her, how she looks and basically it's what would happen if dracula got an e-girl girlfriend it's <laughs> so. yeah, pretty much yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> dracula gets an e-girl uh, e-girl girlfriend um also dracula uses tinder it's, it's okay it's so weird because that still is like it shows just a different side of dracula where it's like instead of being this fear of invasion i saw it more as like a fear of intimacy or like getting close to people or even a fear of like death. That's kind of what is shown where it's like Dracula can't really get close to people. He's using these Tinder apps, but he's not getting close to these people. He's eating them right away. And you could almost see that as like, that's what people do today. They get their Tinder date and then fuck and then never see each other again. And I could, I saw a lot of similarities with today and I was like, that was actually really interesting that it's like they kept a lot of the like Dracula how he's supposed to be then, and then they found other things to hook on to. So I thought that was really cool. And what I really want to talk about, okay, so it ends with uh, Van Helsing running and pulling the curtains down so the sun comes into the room, and you think it's going to kill Dracula because there's all of these things about, like, he can't enter a household. All It keeps addressing all these vampire uh, myths of, like, he can't enter a household unless he's invited. Um, sunlight will kill him. And there's just all these like little weaknesses. Uh, when the sunlight hits him, it doesn't kill him. And he's fine. And that's when Van Helsing is like, oh, you're actually just a dumbass. And the reason why you set up, like why you think there are weaknesses, is just you are so used to treating yourself as a monster and being hard on yourself. Of like, I was a weakling and chose immortality instead of facing death. That I don't belong with society. And I thought that was really, really, really cool and important because they don't do that in the book. They just kill Dracula pretty much. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that the one myth that proved to be true, or well, two actually, is the grave dirt and then mm-hmm. um, drinking dead man's blood, mm-hmm. which is what killed him in the end anyway. So it's like really interesting that those are like the two like foundation that they decided that weren't tropes that were most likely like the culprit and not even like someone. And I, I think that could still even be like dead man's blood thing is just like a he he becomes what he feeds on Mm -hmm. so it's like and that could that could still even go to like how he doesn't feel fit in society he's almost Mm -hmm. like he's less of a parasite and he's more like a cultural chameleon of sorts Mm -hmm. where he's like i can't fit in anywhere so i'm just going to wear the mask of somebody who can't fit in and i I think that's super interesting that instead of being a parasite, he's more of a, like, and I feel like that could relate to culture today of, like, people are wearing these masks, they're picking up traits from whoever they can and, like, 
making an image for themselves, much like how Dracula, whenever he feeds on somebody, he becomes them in a sense. Right. So, um, but I think it's really, really, really important that it ends with not killing Dracula, it's sort of understanding him. And I think that's where the shift lies in modern Gothic. And I want to see if we can talk about this more with other parts, is that our horror today doesn't kill our monsters. We understand them. And uh, I'm going to end with it there. That's going to be like my big thing. If we want to branch back to it, we can. But somebody else, if you'd like to go. So uh, a few years ago, there was a TV show that came out called Penny Dreadful, and it happened for three seasons. I've seen all of it. I think Ben has seen all Mm -hmm. of it. Uh, To give you a quick synopsis of the show, it's basically canon of what would happen if you threw Dracula, Frankenstein and his creature, Dorian Gray, werewolves, vampires, witches, and Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde into Victorian London. What would happen? So this story uh, connects back to Dracula and the fact that um, this would be the part in like Dracula's tale where he ends up in London and he's trying to blend in. But in this version, like he's creating monsters, like more vampires that are killing people and all of these people like notice. And another plotline that follows along is like Frankenstein creates this creature and then Frankenstein's love interest dies and then he makes her into a creature. And then um, there's just, like, an interesting duality of a question that would be answered of, like, what would happen if Frankenstein did create the two creatures in the original novel that he swore to never do. I really like this show because, like, it shows, like, it has the mystery element throughout the seasons of, like, who these people are, and it really weaves together, like, these different gothic tales in a really nice way and it shows like an immense obsession with like old civilization and definitely with the sublime and like reference to Vanessa Ives. What I like most about the show and kind of connects back to my point is that as you find that as you go through the show all of the main characters are monsters in a sense and kind of relates back to that like we it's weird because monsters are no longer like the villains and like not Dracula was is a villain, but you could say like the creature might not necessarily be a villain. Jacqueline Hyde's kind of a villain. Oh, but Jacqueline Hyde is definitely yeah. a villain because yeah. he does his um, tests on Vanessa when she's oh, sent in right. for hysteria. So that's mm-hmm. that's yeah. right. But I, it's it's weird because it's, like, it's a really weird cultural shift from like taking these villains and be like, oh, gross, or right. like, oh, how horrifying. To more like, I I'm horrified, but I want to know more. I want to understand. It's, like, really Victorian in a sense because it's, like, so obsessed with the macabre that they're just like, oh, but what if we thought about it from the monster's perspective this time? And they're like, oh, this is even more death and, like, dangerous. So, like, they became more obsessed with it that way. And that's how, like, we're working through it. And another thing that I thought was, like, really important in, like, gothic in general is the use of, like, foil. Because each of the characters, like, it's, like, a round robin of, like, who foils who in what way because, like, Every character is challenged a different one in like the same way that Dracula is challenged by Van Helsing, and it's just really interesting to see like how um, someone so self-absorbed as like Dorian Gray would tolerate being around Frankenstein mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So. There's a lot of strange characters in that yeah. show, and at the same time, um, I feel really weirdly about that show because it deals with a lot of like really cool gothic stuff. Uh, but I feel like it also has kind of the 
the black and white Frankenstein movie effect where it's it's really quickly getting like this is what this character's problems are. I think I even remember a scene where Dorian Gray is like having an orgy and it's like post orgy and he's just like I feel empty or something like that and I'm like yeah. well that was a great way to like sum down a very complicated character in like a couple seconds. But at the same time it's also like it's really nice because these gothic things are becoming mainstream again in a weird way. You can talk about these really interesting topics with anybody now and it's not just people it's the nerd in the back of the class me who read dracula in middle school and was like y'all read frankenstein no we're reading percy jackson series oh that's cool see you later well i think it's interesting why we're accepting horror and the gothic now and i feel like a lot of that or at least a lot of changing the perspective and looking at them more complexly or positively deals with the uncanniness that it is something that was familiar that's been distorted perverted or what any manner like that and there's still some kind of homely feeling to it something that like you're trying to save or you miss or whatever it is but there's something almost metagothic about taking the gothic and then changing it so it looks like the gothic but it's slightly different (laughs) (laughs) i i really like that the meta that's, I think that's what we should refer to modern gothic as, like, metagothic. It's almost like, if you guys have seen the movie Cap in the Woods, mm-hmm. where it's, yeah. like, a commentary on horror movies, I feel like it after that is when, like, a lot of really good artsy horror movies came out. So it's, Definitely. like, it's like mm-hmm. once we've had this, like, moment where it's, like, these things have become iconic. Oh, my God, you could almost relate it to it's, like, Frankenstein uses Paradise Lost and all these Greek myths. It's, like, the meta-Greek. <laughs> It's like now we're in the meta gothic, where it's, so it's literally just a chain of like these things are being branched yeah. down. Um, but something you said, you started talking about the uncanny, and that's what I wanted to talk about a little, make a tiny point on was the unheimlich and heimlich, or just uncanny and canny. Is do these things demonstrate the uncanniness still, or is it just? Because we, we discussed that there's a difference between spooky and like scary and uncanny. And do they still give that aura? I think Dracula did an excellent job of that in their first episode. Mm-hmm. And Penny Dreadful did a pretty good job of that in its first season. But it seems like after show writers have to write for so long, they like lose that track of like making something as good as it was from the start Mm -hmm. and they just I don't know if it's like get lazy or they don't want to create a trope where they just kind of back off the uncanny and they just go for like the scare tactic you said uh Dracula was only like uncanny in its first episode kind of Mm -hmm. I personally think the third episode is where it had the most uncanny like it literally made like I was awake all night because there was a topic in there that was like kind of brushed over a little bit that I just couldn't stop thinking about. And that's the idea. He says something about like, like their mind stays and they just keep rotting. Cause that's, that's like a big point is that some people Dracula or not even Dracula bites, just any, anybody could die and their mind doesn't go. So they're like awake, but they're dead. So it's, he's like, says, if you listen to the, they're in a graveyard with him and Lucy Westerna. And he's like, if you listen to the ground, you can still hear them sometimes. And then, it, like, Lucy was staring as, like, listening to the ground, and you can hear people, like, scratching on their coffin lids and, like, counting the number of days that they've been buried. And that, I think it, maybe it's not, the, the uncanny has, like, shifted a 
almost where it's no longer like well and i feel like that's almost just because of cultural differences Mm -hmm. like the reason why the abbey and the statues gargoyles are so related to the gothic is those were the things that were so present or Mm -hmm. were in the minds of victorians and romantics during the periods especially after the protestant reformation that like that's what they get associated with and that is what gets uncanny from the grief about their nation but like today to adapt it you have to be addressing different things making new things be changed yeah i don't want to get too into social commentary but like what's more terrifying in a world of nine to five monotonous jobs than the idea of your brain just being stuck over and over and over again just living (laughs) a shit show and i think that's what the new fear is yeah Where, where the gothic was fear of invasion it's the fear of the self now has kind of taken over. I thought it was like super interesting um, in the end how Dracula told Lucy, you don't want to be cremated. You should change your funeral rites. And she's just like, fuck it, I'm not going to. And um, she ends up wanting to die, like finally die after that. And I just thought it was so interesting that like, even if I was scared, like, oh, like what if my brain doesn't turn off? Like, oh, I'll just be cremated. It's fine. And it's just like, it's not fine. Like, I'm screwed either way. Mm -hmm. Like, I have to be fully cognizant the whole time while I burn or, like, try and get out of the room. And that's what Dracula's uncanniness, and I feel like a lot of horror movies today, uncanniness is so good at demonstrating, Mm -hmm. is how afraid we are of ourselves or things happening to us specifically, where it's, like, movies like Us or Hereditary Mm -hmm. Get Out. Mm -hmm. It's all about, like... Trapped. Yeah, being trapped in kind of yourself or especially us i um that movie is literally about you are your own worst enemy and i really it's such a cool topic and i think that's why our monsters today we try to sympathize with them more because it's like we're trying to understand ourselves now instead of like repressing ourselves and that was something that really stuck with me from when we were talking about the unheimlich in class when um rachel's talking about like what is more not you than a version of you that's not you you know (laughs) like that was some deep shit right there and i don't want to talk so long that you don't get to say what you want to say so let's talk about curse of strong all right (laughs) we're talking about dungeons and dragons specifically ravenloft which is a campaign setting for dungeon dragons a gothic horror setting so ravenloft was a module that was it was written by Tracy and Laura Hickman. It came out in, for first edition D&D, mm-hmm. so like 1983. And uh, it was so popular that it showed up in just about every edition after that. And that's where fifth edition, its version of it is Curse of Strahd, which uh, features her boy, Strahd von <laughs> Zerovich. Who is not Dracula TM. His original character, I swear. Yeah, yeah. You know, he has his differences, but he is a vampire. <laughs> and, you know, lives in a castle, the whole aesthetic. Check mark, crossing check marks <laughs> off the list. It's got a Romanian yeah. name. Like... <laughs> I think, I can't remember, but I think it's on, I was checking the Wikipedia for Dracula, because I do that in my free time. And he is supposed to be like a Count of Wallachia. Which I think that's the name, or it's very it's similar like, to the name of the... Yeah, Valaki. Yeah, Valaki <laughs> is the name of the place in Curse of Strahd. Yeah. So I like how they just 
It's kind yeah, of like a shit post. Yeah, you can copy my homework. Just yeah. change it a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> it's, it's like, yeah, you can copy my homework. Bram Stoker, which Bram Stoker is such a meme. I love him. I mean, um, if there's anyone to copy. So, anyway. So, the campaign setting takes place in the land of Barovia, which is, the, like, this is the, like, godly setting, or D&D. Mm-hmm. It's so different from the high fantasy of, like, the other settings. And this is kind of where you get into, like, the uncanny, because it's, even though it's described as gothic horror, but in, a, like, a D&D game, it's hard to, like, actually scare someone. Mm-hmm. But you can kind of just make them be like, that's weird. This is different. I don't like it. For example, <laughs> uh, in the land of Barovia, there are certain differences from, like, the normal realms. Uh, certain spells are, like, reskinned to be more gothic in, like, their variants. So find familiar, it will result in finding an undead skeletal familiar instead of, you know, your normal spectral owl. Uh, Mage hand summons a skeletal hand. Gust of wind is accompanied by a ghastly moan. Because, yeah, and then other things, uh, characters, when they're revived, instead of, you know, waking up like Sleeping Beauty, they wake up screaming like they're in a nightmare. You know, random encounters include, you know, March of Ghosts, to Strahd's castle, like were ravens, skeletal horse riders, you know, mm-hmm. it's, your normal stuff. It's all very spook, and <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. As as somebody who has also played Curse of Strahd, it's very good. Uh, but there's something I really wanted to say. Uh, it deals a lot. I feel like there's a little bit of racism in Curse of Strahd too, because there's the race called the Vistani, who are that very is... clearly gypsy based they're very yeah that part it's the also the part where they're very story like they're plot important so it's mm-hmm. like you can't just skip around it but yeah you can't and they they're literally based on like they have the roma aesthetic. if you've ever seen like hunchback of notre dame where esmeralda they literally are, look exactly the same and it's, it's like they're loyal to strad they will always serve strad they're and it's like, like they're ooh, not less tarot card mm-hmm. to read. That's like a plot point of the entire campaign. They're not <laughs> evil, but they're like strictly set up in the book to like fuck yeah. you over. And it's it's like ooh, that's interesting. That, that's interesting. Dracula doesn't it go like the Roma people like all like are just terrified of him, and they don't like try and like get to know him at all. Yes and no. I believe to some extent. Dracula also has its fair share of like really bad ra- uh, racist, ableist, and homophobic things. Uh, ableist, weird fact. Uh, did you know Dracula has control over the mentally disabled? That's what? a thing in the book. Fun fact. If you're mentally ill, Dracula has control over you, I guess. So all of us with anxiety are like fucked. Yeah. <laughs> if Dracula came into town to all these college kids, we'd be fucked because. Army at college yeah. kids. <laughs> Um, but yes, I wanted to bring up the how racist the Vishdan yes, are. Uh, that, yeah. Um, yeah, the land of Barovia, the you know, sun never shines, so you know, really cool for uh, you know, your old bloodsuckers that hang around there. Um, the people of the Barovians, their souls they can't pass like to you know, Elysium or whatever, they uh, are stuck there and. When they die, they're reborn as new babies. And so they just kind of look like the people that died. But if 
so it's like Minecraft villagers? In, sort of. <laughs> it's weird because it's like you almost get a get out of jail free card for killing villagers sometimes because like some of them just don't have souls and thus like yeah. Yeah, because kind of um, <laughs> if too many babies are born and their people aren't dying at the same rate, then you just have these like soulless husks that are just sort of there, mm -hmm. and it's just super creepy. And they... obviously, I can't like put up a picture of what they look like, but they're very like they're described as like having no joy, pretty. Much. Yeah, they're just like super depressed looking, really pale skinned. Like mm -hmm. I don't know what you call that, like dress, but like. Very Eastern European inspired. Oh yeah, everybody has very Eastern European. I I, I love Christmas Shroud. It's very good. It is it's arguably the best of just because oh, of the villain, our boy, <laughs> our boy. <laughs> totally not Dracula. Yeah, totally not Bram Stoker's Dracula. Uh, you know, Strahd. He was a human general before vampire, but then uh, you know made a pact with a dark power, like like you do when you don't want to die. Obviously. And then, uh, you know, murdered his brother, uh, drank his blood, I think, and uh, sealed that pact, became trapped <laughs> in the <laughs> the shadow, or like in a demiplane that is Barovia. And so now he lives forever, but he can't leave. And so he's super old. He really, at this point, probably just wants to die. But at the same time, it's like, this is my realm. I can do what I want. <laughs> I always thought it was really weird because it's almost like the punishment is in itself kind of like death mm -hmm. because basically in D&D &D, there's this mm -hmm. like plane of the dead kind of called the Shadowfell and that's where his whole unit kind of like resides. Okay. So it's like it's death with extra steps. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, bilingual here, uh, strada in Russian means misery. So, I mean, awesome. I'm not saying that that's, like, the root of his name, but, I mean, I'm getting some Eastern European vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, is there anything else you'd like to say about Strauss? Like, is he very gothic, or is he, he like... He's definitely portrayed as, like, a tragic figure. Mm -hmm. Like, as you go along during the campaign, you can find literally an item is his backstory. Yeah. And sure. then that in itself is just, like, Woe is me. Yeah, it's a lot of that. <laughs> Ooh, woo, I'm sad vampire. Yeah, he's like, you know, he can't see himself in a mirror. And so it gets like a metaphor for his inability to see himself as the villain. Because he's just sort of there, you know, trying to woo his girl that is resurrected again. Even though. Oh, that's like, that's a plot point. Do you want to discuss it or do you want me I to? I can sort of sum it up, but basically, uh, his brother. Um, Sergey had I can't remember the exact relationship, but there's basically a woman, a Tatiana, mm -hmm. who Strahd was like that. Yeah, <laughs> I want that because it, it was not even like a, I'm in love. It's like this is creepy, and I have a hole in my life, and so I want that to fill it. And so then that was part of the reason he murdered his brother was like, hey, you don't have anyone left, so just like come on over here. And Tatiana said. No, and jumped off the castle and killed herself. And so then he was like, well, damn, dude. And then <laughs> stays in his castle. Later on, a woman named Irina appears who has a keen likeness to Tatiana because of the whole resurrection thing. That, that is her soul, like, reborn in a new body. 
And so then Strahd's like, he freaks out and is like, oh my God, <laughs> this person's back. And so then Tatiana, or not Tatiana, Irina is a NPC in the campaign that can join your party. And there are plot points with that where he tries to turn her and just that type of stuff. It's, it's very weird because it's like this old 400 year old man <laughs> is lusting after like this 20 year old gar- like girl because she kind, I would almost in a really weird way. It's like how Captain America like kisses. Yes. That's the, exactly it's, what it's I thought. literally it, where it's like, he was yeah. fucking her grandma, and then like now he's he's <laughs> back for more. Yeah, um, he's he's back for he's it back too. For <laughs> he's back for more. <laughs> um, but I feel like uh, based on what you said, there's still like some remnants of the gothic there, where it's like instead of the more like lusty side fear of intimacy that Dracula BBC shows, yeah. it's more of like the um, something that's unwilling to die, and it could be like. The more aristocratic approach where it's like yeah. that was, that's another thing mm-hmm. vampires have been like a symbol for is like aristocratic families who refuse mm-hmm. to die and you could almost see it as like that's why he's lusting after like tatiana because he's like it's the rich and powerful thinking they can do whatever they want yeah but they just can't get whatever they want <laughs> like he literally has control over all of barovia but he still can't get one girl yeah he's just <laughs> So, um, two things. This is, like, really giving me, like, some simp energy. For two, this is giving me, like, huge Dark Shadows vibes. If you guys have ever watched the old TV show or if you've ever watched the movie. Oh, wait. Because his love interest, well, he's also a vampire, too. Shocker. But um, she kills herself in, like, a similar fashion by jumping off a cliff. But it turns out, like she wasn't in her right mind she was being possessed sorry if i'm like weirdly silent i'm looking up what the fuck a simp is <laughs> <That was too. laughs> oh, no. a simp like, i'm gonna read it i'm gonna read it for the audience a simp is basically what misogynist men's right guys would call a beta cuck someone who <laughs> buys a woman dinner and doesn't get laid in return yes that from, is him that is strong. oh that is that is very he's, much he's what you call a uh, like you know a nice guy that's like oh yeah. he's I hold so the door open nice for you why aren't you why are, yeah. yeah why are you my girlfriend <laughs> that's basically what he's like that could be like ooh that could be sort of a critique on the D community itself because that's i can see that a, there's a lot of people who play D who are, yes, yes. Well, it's just, it's an interesting inversion of the, you know, usual vampire trope of them, like, getting some every night, forever, it's for the rest of their it. life. It's completely it's all he and then... No, yeah, <laughs> he's not getting any, and then no one wants to go to his castle, everyone's scared of him, obviously. And so... <laughs> Actually, that could be read as, like, a, like using drag, drag lingo, a read on, um, on game, or uh, D&D people's culture of like there's a lot of D&D people who are like really yeah. against other people joining specifically mm-hmm. for some reason there's a really weird stigma against girls joining groups girls gross a, a girl <laughs> can roll a die just as well as a guy yeah. so like, <laughs> I don't see what the problem is dog do you want to talk about queer coding now in the gothic yeah. oh yeah. this is like a great thing to end on that, so, yeah, okay. that's true I'm so that's excited. that's something this is what I wanted to say about the Dracula TV show. Just like the original Dracula book, it's really fucking bad with how it 
queerifies the main person. Don't get me wrong. Love queer Dracula. But have him actively like go for a guy. Please give me something so you can't just be like, literally, okay, they did. I looked this up today because I was really curious about like if the creator of the TV show was actively trying to portray him as gay. They asked, oh, is he bisexual? And he went, uh, the, mm, he's bi homicidal. And I'm like, <laughs> just say he's fucking me bisexual. Too, I mean, <laughs> oh, are we all? Just but, do it, coward. Just yeah. do it. You're so right when you said earlier, and I wanted to say this really bad. You're so right earlier when they said, like, they really only gender bent Van Helsing just so they wouldn't have to put Van Helsing with Dracula at the end because that'd be gay. Yeah, cowards. Um, It's. There's nothing gayer than vampires. There's nothing gayer than vampires. (laughs) There's so much queer coding in vampires, and I feel like it's not seen as such a bad thing to be gay anymore. We should. Give Dracula a boyfriend. <laughs> literally calls Jonathan Harker his best bride in the first episode. Yeah. He literally does. And they don't go into that. Uh, what, yeah. would you like that. I thought it was interesting. Like his Tinder settings were on um, both genders. So obviously like there's something there. I guess blood is blood. Mm-hmm. But if you can be picky and choosy and straight, like you would obviously just go for women. So like. Like Dracula totally could have. He is powerful enough that he totally could have set his Tinder profile to just women if he was that picky. (laughs) But he, as he says, he's like a gourmet. He kind of like goes after whoever he wants in that moment. And I thought it was really interesting. um, In the first episode, Van Helsing asks um, Harker at least five different times, did you have sex with him? Over and over. And like, he just looked so uncomfortable because like... (laughs) He wasn't sure. Like, literally, one of the starting things is, did you have sexual relations with Dracula? And there's... Uh, and they use it as a um, ta- or a hook, mm-hmm. I guess you would say, in, like, the snippet that play on Netflix when your mouse oh, goes over it. Yeah. And you're like, oh, wait, is this, like, huh? gonna is happen in Dracula? And then they get you to watch it, and then you get to the third episode, and you're like, queer oh, okay. again. There's, wow. There is only one queer character who is like outwardly queer and it is a side character that only shows up in the last one and what is he i don't even remember his name he looks like the (laughs) um the one the gay kid on um what's it called big mouth like yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. and like that's just like how they're portraying your characters he follows the uh, gay as magic and also every gay as a twink Um, yeah have you there's literally no other ones i'm sorry but like i'm trying to think of any gay character in a movie that is not either a twink or a jock there is none um that's enough that's something that has carried over with the gothic and Mm -hmm. gothic and the metagothic is it's really good at explaining what feelings it's trying to like get you to feel and like what themes is trying to like say like oh you are afraid of yourself in a sense you're it's really good at stating that but it's not really good at stating just really like things you want it to say is like it's like back to the idea of a labyrinth like we're we're just circling and circling this point but we can never actually get to it and that's like part of what makes the gothic so good is it always like leaves you wanting more mm-hmm. it never addresses the source uh bram stoker and oscar wilde i feel like a lot of people, everybody here knows who oscar wilde is oh yeah um very very gay 
Bram Stoker started writing this a couple months after Oscar Wilde was arrested for sodomy, and it's theorized that Bram Stoker was gay, but after he saw one of his friends arrested for being gay, he wrote Dracula, portraying himself as Jonathan Harker and Oscar Wilde as the vampire, so he could be like, Oscar Wilde, Wilde lured me. I was, I was swept into this. And it's so sad that all of, like, this backstory, like, that is, I think, objectively scarier and, like, worse than Dracula itself is the idea that you're betraying your own friend mm-hmm. to live just a little bit longer. And uh, Metagothic and Gothic is really good at giving, like, what it's symbolic of. But when it comes to giving the history, of the re- the big reason why the uh, Salem Witch Trials happened is, one, probably because the fear of independent women was huge at the time if horror could take more of a shift Mm -hmm. and i I feel like that could be happening because a lot of the horror movies today are very introspective Mm -hmm. of the history behind why these things scare us so much Mm -hmm. it would be so good it definitely has a propensity to but i wanted to pick up on what you said about oscar wilde and brahm with dracula is used as a symbol of like the seducive queer. There's so much anti-queer history also behind there with like HIV, blood, transferring, giving a disease or vampire to other people. The fear of invasion still isn't gone. It's just like mutated to a different group or whatnot. And it's interesting because that's definitely more of a, I mean, not necessarily the fear of queers, which rhymes, but um, like the HIV thing, that's more recent. That's a connotation that we would have with like our new BBC mm-hmm. Dracula, but not so much with the original oh, one, yeah. which arguably has more to do with rabies than anything else. <laughs> um, but uh, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost like people would see a queer vampire on TV now and be like, oh, well, you know, that's just because the gays and their blood and shit mm-hmm. like that. But, you know, if you'd done that a hundred years ago, it would be yeah. completely different. You're so incredibly right. And that's how exactly how vampires have mutated today is to portray a an unnuclear family set of sorts. I, I really wish it's, again, metagothic and gothic is so good at, like, saying, oh, this is what you're actually scared of. Like, not not even really. It's like, these are the emotions you're scared of. Show me why I'm scared of these emotions. Why am I afraid of intimacy? Why am I afraid of curiosity? We forgot about um, two of the gay characters in Dracula. The newly married couple. And um, the manservant that was actually, like, not a servant at all. I totally forgot about that. They just assumed he was a servant because he was brown. (laughs) Oh, and they never actually say specifically Mm -hmm. that they're dating. There's just, like, some... No. Yeah, they like he said like do. he leaves the circle that they made out of the Bible because like he loved him and wanted to make sh- like see if he was alive. Like his lover died um very like unceremoniously. Like he he died betraying a child. So mm. yeah. There yeah, there's still a lot of the characterizing queers as bad guys. But mm. the thing is like just give me some concrete evidence because I could totally see like some straight guy sitting at home being like Oh, he just like appreciated his master a lot. Like he just loved his master, and it's like Hollywood today does a lot, or Hollywood writing a lot does this whole song and dance where it's like just skimping around it enough where it's like if somebody really tried to ask, they could be like, "Oh no, 
We were just making them really good friends. Like in uh, the new Frozen. Mm-hmm. That it's the, it's, it's just like enough that. that they could edit it out for mm-hmm. countries. Yeah. Like yeah. It's Marvel like and Star Wars and everything else that Disney's ever touched. <laughs> yep. It's like it's so like, they want them so bad, but like they don't actually want to put in the work to like help a culture get over their fear and move past it because they want to still make money off of it because they're capitalists and they're business and they just won't commit to helping the minority try and rise up to not the majority but to at least a point where they're not um help me find the word no oppressed mm-hmm. oppressed yeah. <laughs> and this is like what i want metagothic to be eventually but the gothic, the reason why I feel it used all these codes is is because it wanted to talk about these hot button issues, but it lived in a society where if you talked about those hot button issues, you would be ostracized by everybody. Yeah. But we live in a day and age where we don't necessarily need to be as coded with what we're talking about and what we're discussing. So I want, I really wish modern horror and gothic would kind of take a note from its predecessors, but also change. So that it's like, this is what, like, what are you afraid of more? Instead of being like, instead of showing us that we're afraid, mm-hmm. I wanted to show why were you even afraid? Mm-hmm. Almost. Mm-hmm. So. And it's interesting how that relates to the development or change of Frankenstein over time. We talked about um, that he became mute in adaptations. And so he lost language as an access to humanity. And it's almost like we need to reverse that trend again. Like, it's more about giving those tools back, making it a complex narrative, humanizing what has became or displayed as monstrous. Don't use these age-old tropes anymore. Do something. I feel like this That's is more... That's what the gothic just, is for. Yeah, the, the gothic <laughs> is for experimentation and, like, chastising other people. Yeah, I feel like this is more of just a critique on writing nowadays. It's just like... yeah. Gothic, be gothic again. <laughs> like, make America gothic. I thought of that as I was saying Honestly. it. I was like, God, I don't want to have to say that. Oh, I got you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll do it for you. I, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I, there are so many things from the gothic that I wanted to keep taking. The high emotion, the making a character kind of their own worst enemy is. I feel like that's always been a little bit of the gothic. Is like the the main baddie is supposed to represent some greater evil. Yeah. And I want them to keep doing that, but like, don't be so coded about it anymore because we don't have to be. So I think maybe that's a good place to end on. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure how much time we have. Oh, yeah.